Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly. On this episode, I'm joined by Colorado-based artist Piper Nunn. Piper shares her fly fishing journey and how she uses her art to educate and to conserve the natural resources she cares for so deeply. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. But before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. And a shout out to this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Artisan Angler. If you're looking for a better way to organize your flies, tippet, and tools, you should check out the fly trap at artisanangler.llc.com. I've dropped the link in the show notes. They sell direct through Amazon, so you get prime shipping and free returns. It doesn't get any easier than that. Make your time on the water more productive and check out the fly trap today. Now, on to our interview. Well, Piper, welcome to the Articulate Fly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation, and we have a tradition on the Articulate Fly. We like to ask all of our guests to share their earliest fishing memory. Um, So my earliest isn't very early. Um, I got into fishing later in my life. So my earliest fly fishing memory is about five or six years ago when I learned to fly fish for the first time. Um, So that's actually nobody fished growing up. Like I didn't grow up doing it. Um, So my earliest was the very first day that I learned how to fly fish. Oh, very, very cool. So, you know, relatively new thing for you. Who are some of the folks that have mentored you on your fly fishing journey? So I, it's, it's kind of funny how I got into fly fishing. It was very random. Um, I worked at a bagel shop in high school. It was my first job and the managers were very into fly fishing. Like there was a whole fly fishing community at the bagel shop. And, uh, my manager at the time and his buddy Keith, um, who unfortunately he passed a couple years back, but they taught me how to fly fish and they were just like, Hey, let's go fishing on the river. Like, do you have interest? And I was like, that sounds great. Like I'll check it out. And, um, they took me up the river and, you know, showed me the ropes and I just, I fell in love with it. Um, and it was kind of funny the day that we went out, I had my grandpa's fly rod, um, that he had handed down to me, but I'd never used. And I was walking out of my garage to meet them to go up and I was doing what you never do with a fly rod. And I was holding it straight up in my garage And as I walked out, the whole tip just snapped off before I even got in the car to go fishing. And I learned that lesson the very first day I tried fly fishing is that you never walk with your rod straight up. (laughs) Yikes. Um, That's a super (laughs) bummer. And and, um, so, you know, they kind of got you into the sport of their folks kind of in the Colorado area that have kind of uh, mentored you or have you been kind of teaching yourself along the way? Yeah. So after, so they were the two that really got me into the sport, um, taught me how to do it, took me out the first couple of times. And then from there, I went on my own a little bit, a lot of trial and error, um, you know, setting the hook upstream instead of downstream for a long time, you know, (laughs) figuring those things out the hard way. And then as I got into it more, I, I kind of met my community. So then I started connecting with other people in Colorado, um, that fly fished and then connecting to their friends and formed my own little community around it. Um, so I did, I did start with two people, learned a lot of things on my own. And now I of course have a community. Yeah. Very, very cool. And you know, when did you first become interested in art? 
So I painted on and off as a kid, you know, just random here and there. And then um, about six years ago, I started painting more seriously or or more consistently. Um, And I just did it for fun. I did it for me. I did a lot of nature and landscape paintings. Um, And then right around when I started fly fishing, I started doing art more seriously, like painting multiple times a week and getting really into it. So. Uh, very, very neat. And, you know, same kind of question around the fishing thing. Are there people that have sort of mentored you on your artist journey as well? So I have done a lot of the art on my own. Um, I never went to school for it or anything like that. I'm self-taught. Um, I've had obviously all of my friends and family that have supported me along the way. Um, so that's my biggest support. And then I had my inspirations when I started getting into fly fishing art. Um, of course, Derek D. Young was my biggest one. That was kind of an aha moment for me when I saw his work and it was right when I started fly fishing. And at the same time that I kind of started doing art more and it all kind of clicked. Like I was like, whoa, this is really cool. Like people, you know, make a living doing this. Like, this is awesome. There's this whole other art world that's not like landscape and, and nature paintings. It's fly fishing paintings. And so that was my biggest inspiration. And then um, besides that, I've taught myself all that I know with my art. Uh, very, very neat. Yeah, it's interesting. There are a lot of folks in the space that are they're self-taught, and it's really kind of amazing to me um, to to think about teaching yourself all those techniques and having a distinct style. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of practice. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, when I first started, it was nothing like what I do now. So, But it is cool because you watch yourself kind of, I don't like you watch your style develop and you watch yourself learn and you watch yourself get better just by repetition, just by doing it over and over. Yeah. And so, you know, do you kind of remember that like light bulb moment, like what you were doing when you're like, I want to make this my career? So it started, I turned it into, or wanted to turn it into a business about three years ago. Um, and it was kind of random. Like I was doing a lot of art and then I started doing more fly fishing focused art. And then I gave Scotty, the, my friend who taught me how to fly fish, a uh, Dolly Varden painted on some wood for a Christmas gift. Like I was like, this is really cool. He'll love it. And then I painted it and it kind of dawned on me that I was like, this is something that other people might want, you know, like this could be a good Christmas gift for people to buy their friends and family. So it kind of started there. And then I started painting more consistently and developing like some sort of inventory. So I started with prints um, and then custom work. And so I just, I launched an online store. I started posting on my Instagram, my art and was like, let's see where it takes me. And, and it started to develop. And then since it has, I, I can't imagine myself doing much else. So. Yeah, very, very neat. And, you know, I I always love interviewing creatives. And I was kind of curious, you know, how uh, does your fishing inform your art and vice versa? So fishing is my biggest inspiration for my art um, because it is so fly fishing focused. And one of the things that I really love about doing fly fishing art is that when you when you're out fishing and you catch a fish, you have such a brief fleeting moment to really like look at the fish. Right. So you catch it and you're like, this is beautiful. And then you release it. And the art kind of allows me more time to really sit with the fish and see all of the tiny little details that I don't notice when I'm on the river. So that's what I do love about the art in the fly fishing space. And it also lets me like study fish that 
I haven't caught like a golden Dorado, which I would love to catch, but I've never seen. <laughs> so it lets me kind of like immerse myself into the beauty of catching a golden Dorado without having done it. Um, and then of course, yeah, fishing is my biggest inspiration. And then when I'm fishing now, I kind of, I think I notice the small details more now that I do the art, right? It opens up that like small detail oriented lens for me that I don't know that I would have if I didn't paint the fish. Yeah. And I would say too, at least I know for me, you know, I'm not an artist, but you know, fishing is what makes me slow down. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I know too, from uh, doing research for our interview that, you know, conservation and education are really important to you. And I was kind of, you know, curious, you know, why and, you know, how do they influence your heart? Right. So that's something I could talk about forever. I'm very passionate about conservation and fisheries and art and how they all intertwine. Um, So for me, so I just recently completed my um, bachelor's degree in fisheries biology. Um, So that's a big, that's a big influence. So I started my business while I was getting my degree. So I was running the art business and getting my degree in fisheries. And I think that doing the two at the same time can like created this deep connection between the two for me, because I was learning about conservation and our fisheries and the issues we have in our fisheries while I was making this art. And I kind of came into this idea of, okay, like I want to use my art in a way that can inspire conservation and how do I do that? Um, And that's one of my biggest goals as an artist is to create art and fund conservation along the way. Um, And I think that happens in a couple ways. So I believe that art is a very powerful tool, whether it's painting, music, writing, any of that. Um, It allows you to kind of inspire other people. And I think that I can use my art in a way to inspire others and connect them to the outdoors and and our resources. Because as fly fishing people, we spend all day in rivers or lakes or in these beautiful spaces. So we feel so deeply connected to them that we have such a deep passion to protect them. But if you don't spend as much time in those places, you don't have that connection. So I want to use my art to kind of connect people to those spaces and, and like fuel the fire for them to protect them. So that's huge for me. Um, and I also want to use my art as a way to raise funds for conservation, you know, working with companies that, you know, donate the proceeds or I can, you know, make my art into something where I donate the proceeds and all of that. I think it's just a great tool that can be used in many different ways for conservation. And there's so much freedom with it. Yeah, very, very neat. And so, you know, do you have a preferred medium that you like to create in? So I currently I paint in mostly acrylic um, and then I paint on wood. So I paint on um, reclaimed pine beetle kill wood um, that comes from Colorado, which is really neat. And um, I've definitely shifted to that as my preferred medium. I got it. And, you know, how did you get to that place? Because it sounds like that may not have always been the case. Yeah, I kind of, um, I've hopped around a lot and I still like to create with different mediums because it challenges me as an artist. Um, but I started, I started with gouache, which is a, it's a more pigmented type of watercolor essentially. Um, so I did a lot of gouache paintings, a lot of like pen and ink design work. And then at that time, this was prior to the fish art. This was, I was doing landscapes and stuff like that. And 
when I did that, I tried acrylic on canvas and I was terrible at it. I was so bad at using acrylic. I didn't know how to paint with it. So I kind of pushed myself to paint with it more um, and challenged myself in that way. And then once I kind of learned how to paint with it, I definitely fell in love with doing the acrylic paint. Um, and then I started painting on wood um, from the craft store, like Hobby Lobby or Michael's. Um, and I really enjoyed that because there's so much character in a piece of wood before you even put paint on it. Um, so it already has character. And then it also has the art. And I think it's really beautiful. And then I have a friend in Fort Collins, Colorado, and he makes um, furniture from reclaimed pine beetle kill from the Rocky Mountains. And he harvests a lot from Rocky Mountain National Park, which is really neat. Um, and so he and I started working together and, and he started making me these beautiful pieces of reclaimed pine beetle kill. Um, and I shifted entirely to that as my base, as my canvas. Um, and that I just love. It paints beautifully. It looks stunning. It has these like red and blue blue hues from the pine beetle. And then it's also very conservation oriented because this is wood that is cut down from the forest and then it gives it a new life. So I love that part of it as well because it's very sustainable. Uh, super neat. And so Piper, how would you describe your style? Um, <laughs> realistic, um, but very vibrant, lots of bright colors and lots of detail. I think my level of detail is, has a lot to do with my style. Yeah, very, very neat. And so, you know, when you create a piece, do you make it for yourself or do you have a, a particular audience in mind for it? Um, as well, so I do make them for myself. Um, when running a business, this is kind of a weird intersection of art and business. Um, you definitely have to think about your audience, right? Um, I have to think about, you know, what sells best? What are my best sellers? Like, a brown trout painting on my site is always a good thing to have. You know, people love brown trout. Um, so I do definitely think about that a little bit. Um, but I, my goal as an artist is, is to paint for me. And then if people love it, they'll buy it. Um, and not to change my style or tailor my pieces too much, um, with the thought of selling in mind. So I do paint every piece for myself. Um, but my audience definitely influences, you know, I might paint a couple more brown trout um, because people love them. Or I definitely paint a lot of fish because my audience is fish. <laughs> yeah. But it's also what I love painting. So, yeah, it's neat, too, because I saw that you were actually painting on banjos. I was. And that is a medium that I absolutely love. Um, I don't do a lot of them. Um, but I, I love doing them. I actually have one that I'm going to put in the works here soon, but I, that's really random how I started painting on banjos too, is I went to a flea market when I was in like early high school. I was super young. I went to a flea market and found this awesome vintage banjo. Like it was a handmade banjo. It, it hardly played, but it was so cool. And I bought it and it had just been hanging on my wall for you know, however many years. Um, and when, when I was in high school, I painted it and I, I painted like these trees and these birds and the birds didn't really look like birds at all. Like it, <laughs> it didn't turn out great. And so it sat on my wall for years. And then I got into the art and I got into the fish art and I looked at the banjo and I was like, I, I should paint that again. And I did the salmon on it and I absolutely loved it. Um, and then I bought another vintage banjo on eBay and painted that one too. So 
that's one of my favorite things to paint. Uh, very, very cool. And so, you know, when you're developing ideas into pieces, you know, do you, you know, carry a sketchbook around everywhere you go? Or do you just say, I have an idea and you can just start creating it and you see where it goes? Um, I usually just kind of start on a canvas or on my wood. Um, I definitely, I have a running list in my phone. Um, you know, I'll be driving around or on the river or whatever. And, and I'll be like, aha, like I want to paint, you know, a cutthroat with water drips, but an alpine lake scene in the water drips. And, and I'll type it out on my phone and the idea will be in my head. And I usually just bring it to life straight on the canvas. Um, I do occasionally sketch it out first if I'm a little unsure of like, how is this going to work with this? Um, but I usually go from mine to canvas right away. Uh, very neat. And so, you know, what does your creative process look like? Do you, you know, paint every day or do you just say, you know, this is a month I'm going to paint and then you just paint like crazy? Um, it depends how creative I'm feeling and what I'm working on. So it kind of comes in spurts. So I'll have, you know, say two weeks where I'm feeling crazy inspired. I have all these ideas in my head and I've got a painting going and I'm just like obsessive about it. And I'll spend all day in my studio, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours for a couple of days straight. Um, and then there's times where I burn out a little bit and I kind of have to re-inspire myself and get creative again. And so I'll take a little bit of time off and then I'll get really into it again. So it definitely comes in spurts, but when I'm in my creative mode, it's, it's obsessive. It's every day I'm painting, you know, until I finish the piece I'm working on or, or whatever. And neat. And do you like to work on one piece until it's finished or do you do multiple pieces at the same time? I do. I do one piece. I can't focus on, on multiple pieces because I get so in the zone on one piece that I can't think about any other idea until it's done. So, Yeah, neat. I guess that helps too with the acrylics because it's not like oils where you have to wait for them to dry, right? So you can kind of turn that around pretty quickly. Definitely. That's why I don't use oils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I've interviewed other artists. Actually, as a matter of fact, I remember when I interviewed Derek, he was telling me that he started with oils, but I guess there's this um, kind of allergy that all painters eventually get to, I guess, the oils uh, that are in the oil paint. Yeah. And so from like, I think a, like a respiratory allergy perspective, um, he doesn't paint in oils very much anymore. I have heard that. I don't know much about oil paint, but I have heard that they have a semi-toxic element to them. So it's probably best that I stick with acrylic. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And, and so how long on average does it take you to uh, complete a piece? Oh, that's, um, that's a tough question to answer. I, I mean, it's, it's really dependent on obviously the size um, and the species as well. So like a brown trout might not take me as long as, you know, a, a big tarpon or something. Um, a lot of that does have to do with the detail. So um, fish that have like big scales um, take a little bit longer. I would say like a typical trout or fish piece of mine, typical size, the most common one I do is a few full days at the easel, like three 12-hour days at the easel. Um, but it, it really depends. Yeah, very, very neat. And so, you know, you know, you talked about kind of getting burned out and having to take breaks. What do you do when you have to recharge your creative batteries? Um, I just have to disconnect. <laughs> so I have to, you know, go outside, obviously go fishing. Um, that's my biggest way. That's how I recharge in every area of my life. Um, yeah, just go outside, go on the river, go fishing, go camping. Sometimes just simply stepping away from the studio for, you know, 
two or three days and just not looking at anything, not looking at any pieces I have working on or anything like that is enough to recharge. Um, I'm not great at it though. I definitely, um, I have to kind of sometimes force myself or, or be forced by other people and encouraged to, to step away. Um, I have a hard time recognizing when I'm in a rut. And so I'll just sit in the studio and be like, Oh, like I, why, like I'm struggling, like, you know, and then I, I disconnect and I come back and I'm like, Oh, that's all. I just need to go fishing for an afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More coffee won't solve the problem. Right. <laughs> yes. I try a lot of times. I've tried that a lot. It doesn't work, but. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always interested in asking artists. There are some questions I ask guides too, but it's, you know, share with me kind of what you think the biggest misconception is that people have about art and the life of an artist. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions that I think um, people have is one that I also had prior to pursuing a a full-time career in art. And that's like how artists get to that point. Um, It's a really long journey and it's a challenging journey. Um, And, you know, I always say if it was, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. So it's definitely, it's one of the harder full-time careers I think that you can try and make for yourself. Um, So the, the journey is long, it's difficult, and it's super rewarding. Um, and the other misconception, I think, is that I think it's hard to convey to people how much time and work goes into painting a piece, um, even beyond the time of the, at the easel. So if I paint a round trout, it's not just the hours that I spent physically painting it, um, but it's also the the years that I've spent getting better at painting and all of the hours I've spent practicing that have got me to the point where I can release a piece of art that looks like it does now. And I think that that slips through the cracks a lot when people are looking at art um, and especially looking at the price point of art because um, it's ex- it's expensive, you know, it's not cheap to buy art, um, but it's definitely a lot goes into that price point. Yeah, absolutely. And I was kind of curious too, you know, are there other artists that you share ideas work with or, do you just kind of like to figure things out on your own? I pretty much work on my own. I don't have a lot of artists that I kind of like bounce ideas off of or or collaborate with. Uh, neat. And I know too from uh, doing research, and I mean, that's how we met too, is from Dan at Catchflow. But, you know, Catchflow is just one of many brands that you've collaborated with. You want to let some of our listeners know kind of some of the projects and the brands you've worked with? Definitely. So um, I've done a couple big ones. Catchflow is my most recent. So I, I designed the shoe with Dan and those turned out rad. I absolutely love him. Um, he's a great guy to work with too. That was a really fun project. And then um, I have worked with Bahio sunglasses. So I designed the temples of two different frames. One's a permit tail and one is a coral reef. Um, and the proceeds of those sunglass sales go towards protecting the coral reefs. So they're being donated to a woman down in um, Mexico who has a whole coral reef restoration and farming um, project going on. So the proceeds of that are going towards her. And then I have also collaborated on a t-shirt with Wise River Clothing and the Wild Steel Hutters um, from Child Unlimited. And the proceeds of that t-shirt are going to protect the Wild Steel Heads. So those are three that I've done and also fall into that category of of making art and raising conservation funds at the same time. So 
that's like all I've ever asked for was my art. So <laughs> it's pretty neat. Yeah, that's super cool. And I'll try to drop links to all of those in the show notes. And, you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier about how you kind of create for yourself, but you sort of think about, um, you know, who's going to buy the piece, you know, how was that creative process when, you know, Dan says, hey, let's collaborate. How is that different than, say, doing one of your, um, you know, paintings on your on your pine? It's um, it's a little bit different for sure. I my style stays stays the same, um, but there's a, a few more constraints when you're working with a company or if it's going on apparel. Like doing the shoes was new to me because I, you know, you have to design the design in a way that's going to flow on a shoe, which I've never done. Um, so you definitely there's more details and constraints that you have to work into the piece. So. It definitely changes the creative process a little bit, but I try really hard to keep my style consistent no matter what kind of constraints are placed on me by brand work or any of that. Yeah. I mean, how challenging is that? And, you know, have you ever done something that turned out to be too commercial and you're like, I won't do that again? Um, (laughs) Thankfully, I haven't. Um, It might happen at some point. I'm prepared for that. You know, you learn these lessons as you go um, as a first time you know, business starter and artist, but, um, it's really, my goal as an artist has always been to never take on a project or sell a piece or be hired purely for the sake of money. Right. So purely for the financial gain or any of that and sacrifice my style or anything that I believe in. So I'm, I'm pretty specific or particular, I guess is the word with the brands that I do work with. Um, so I like to work with brands that I stand behind, um, you know, brands that might donate part of the proceeds to conservation or who are actively doing conservation work with our fisheries, all of that, because that's what I support and that's what I want my art to support. So I definitely turn, turn down a fair amount of collaborations, which some people might not say is the smartest business decision. <laughs> but for me, it's the best decision for my art because I don't want to regret a collaboration. Um, and that happens mostly with ambassadorships, you know, um, businesses or, or brands come to me and I, I don't really stand behind them strongly enough to, to associate my name or my art with them. So I try and be particular and very careful about that. So I have not yet done anything that I thought was too commercialized. So yeah, fair enough. And uh, if you have any projects you're working on now, you want to share with our listeners? Um, I'm cranking out inventory right now. So <laughs> I've been I've been on and off and in and out of the studio a lot for the past couple of months. So. I'm kind of trying to get back into the flow of things and, and getting some really cool pieces up on my site. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, one, that's the holidays, but we've also got, you know, show season is going to be here before we know it. Are you going to be in the show circuit in 2023? I am. So I am very excited. I'm doing the fly fishing show for the first time. Um, I have a booth in the Denver show in Colorado and then the Pleasanton show in California. So I am definitely like getting ready for that. That's going to be big for me. And um, it it takes a lot of inventory to do the show. So I am cranking out a lot of work for that. Um, And I'm super excited. I've attended the fly fishing shows, but I have never actually exhibited there. So Very, very cool. And is there anything else before I let you go this evening that you want to share with our listeners? Um, not the, the only thing I can think of is that being an artist is amazing. And if you're thinking about pursuing it, you definitely should. 
<laughs> there you go. And what's the best place for folks to kind of find more information about you and your work? Um, so I do have a website, um, and that's pipernun.art. And then my Instagram as well, um, which is Piper underscore none. And that one I post anything that I, I list, I post on my Instagram as well. Uh, very, very neat. And I will drop all that stuff in the show notes. Okay. Sounds great. Absolutely. Well, listen, Piper, I really appreciate you carving out some time for me this evening. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Take care. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Again, if you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. Tight lines, everybody.